0: Everyone got a Bible that needs one? We're going to be in Luke chapter 5 today, continuing from last week. So the title of the message today, if you've seen up here, I'm sure, is Jesus Heals. Now this time of year, this uh, new year, as we're still kind of in that in January, it's, it's a time for many of us that we look at our lives and we examine the different aspects of our lives. And as we look... To the future, we also look and see what the future will be for us. You know, each of us have gone through different seasons. And many of us, during these different seasons, have experienced the healing that comes through our faith in Jesus Christ. And that comes many different aspects, many parts of our lives, all different parts. I know personally I've needed healing in many different areas of my life. As I've walked as a Christian throughout the years. And today as we begin 2022, I also personally kind of examined my life as a follower of Jesus. As I walk through this world as a Christian. As I walk out the calling that God has given me. And I asked at this beginning of the year, are there any things in my life that could stumble or interfere with God's calling ...on my life, which is the same calling on your life to go out there and preach the gospel. Now these stumbling blocks or these things in our life, they can be many different things. I think, first of all, maybe physical things they can even be. Am I physically able to go out and serve God in the way that He's called me? Because many of the ways that I serve God requires me to be very physical. Not just crawling up the mountain and running the mountain, but also the, the schedule that we keep. It, it, physically, it's hard. You need to stay fit. You need to stay healthy. You need to eat well. I know that sounds silly, but it is really important. If you're going to serve in ministry, you're going to be brought down. You need to be healthy physically. Am I spiritually ready as we start this new year? Am I prepared to, to face the spiritual warfare that will come to each one of us as we fulfill The calling on our lives to share the gospel. Do all of you have the armor? We know in Ephesians, right? Are you ready? Are you ready for battle this year? Because 2022, it's another battle. Is it all prepared? Is it all up to date? You ready? What about other areas in your lives? I've been talking kind of about the same thing the last few weeks. What about relationships? If you're going to go out there and share the gospel and fulfill that calling, you need to examine your relationships first with God and then with the others around you. Are there any barriers or things in your life that could stumble others or even yourself as you go out to preach the gospel? So this, this kind of segues into last week's message. Jesus said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. In these passages, last week, Peter also came to an understanding, I believe, of who he was and who Jesus also was. This led Peter, we remember last week, to just come before broken, right before Jesus. And then Jesus said to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people, or men. So just as Jesus said, I must preach. We also must preach. But we must preach the faith that we have in Jesus. We must preach that he heals both physically and spiritually. You know, personally, have each one of you experienced that in your walk as a Christian? The healing that Jesus gives? Because as we place our faith in Jesus, there's many, he heals us in so many different ways. First, with our relationship with God, then many other areas in our life. I remember when I first came to know Jesus, I went to my pastor, Pastor Travis. Some of you have met him or know him. I was a new believer, and I asked, you know, how how can I be healed of these different things in my life? How, How can I be healed? How can you be healed of these relationship problems? You know, new believers commonly come to know Jesus, and they've got some relationship problems in their life. It's kind of common. Maybe with your spouse, or your children, or your other family, or friends, or just the world around you. Or maybe you say, how can I be healed of this certain sin that seems impossible for me to overcome? You're looking for healing there. Maybe you're just asking to be healed of whatever is coming between you and your relationship with God. Things such as maybe pride. Or maybe the relationship with you and others. Maybe there's some things in there that need, God needs to take care of so you can have a proper relationship with those around you. So when I came to my pastor, to my church as a new believer, I was truly surrendered to God at that point. I had just get laid everything down and said, God, here I am. And I asked my pastor again, I said, How can you heal me? And the first thing that was on my list that was most important at that time was my relationship with my wife, because it was bad. I said, I told my pastor, how, I believe, how can I heal this relationship starting with my wife? So what do you think my pastor told me as I come there in all sincerity, begging for healing or to be reconciled? What do you think he told me? What was the first step he gave me to heal my marriage? He asked me to read my Bible every day and spend time with God. Now, that didn't make a lot of sense to me, honestly, as a new believer, because I had real relationship problems, and I was looking for, like, real solutions. He's like, every morning, get up, read your Bible, spend time with God. I'll tell you one thing. My marriage was restored, and healing took place over time, and it started with my right relationship with God first, and that started with setting time aside with Jesus. Now... I've seen that throughout my entire life as a believer. These different healings have taken place. Different areas in my life. And I'm sure there'll be more in the future. You know, we don't stop. (laughs) It all begins with that relationship with Jesus. And that begins so often with the study and reading of his word. And that relationship that we have through that. So, I kind of went on a little tangent here before I kind of started the message. Because we are starting a new year. And I think this is so important. As so many people are seeking answers, so many people are seeking healing, if you will get to know Jesus more and more each day and set aside that time and be faithful to him, it's amazing what takes place after that. And I can't explain it. I can't. How did did my marriage become restored? It started with reading my Bible and spending time with the Lord. Now, there was a process that he led me through. We did, there was other steps that we did take later. But it began with my right relationship with God. So again, when we spend time with God, it is miraculous. The healing will take place in every single area in our lives. That does lead into our message today. We're going to read about two different men who Jesus healed. If you got your Bibles... Open up to Luke, chapter 5, verse 12. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. A extremely sick man has come back Begging Jesus for healing. And we learn a lot of details just in this verse verse 12. You know, as we continue from last week, we know that Jesus had called the disciples. He'd went to the boat. He preached from the boat. And he called the disciples to become fishers of men. Then in today's passage, we see he is now in some nearby village. It doesn't state exactly where. But now he's sharing, going there to share the gospel, I'm sure, like Jesus did as he traveled through there, sharing the hope. And as he's sharing, this man, this man with leprosy, sees Jesus. And he sees him, and he comes up to him. And his condition was very severe. I think that's mentioned. And Luke, you know, we know he's a doctor. And he mentions that this man's sickness was advanced. And for a man to be advanced in leprosy would be a a pretty grotesque, even, thing. I even imagine... The smell of this man, because the infection he must had with advanced leprosy, it'd make you sick, I bet you, even to be by him with the sickness of infection that was in that man's body. And with Luke, the doctor says it was advanced. I'm sure it was well advanced. It wasn't a couple of sores on his body. So this man, I'm sure,ly was even repulsive to everyone that he came around, not just by his looks, by his smell by the sickness and this doesn't even get into the Jewish law and the aspects of him having leprosy how he was unclean and he was not to be around anyone this sickness this man had was going to be his death he was going to die of this if he wasn't healed this for me i immediately i get a picture in my mind a picture of sin it destroys relationships and in time it results in death this man in this story he knew he knew Jesus could heal him he believed he believed that Jesus somehow I don't know how this exactly what he had heard or how the Holy Spirit was working you know it doesn't tell us but he somehow believed that Jesus could restore him as he was never sick he saw Jesus and he ran up and he fell to his knees Then he fell to his face, and that's the description given in the other Gospels, to his knees, to his face, and he cried out to Jesus, If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. It's a picture of us, isn't it, coming before Christ as sinners. But this man asked for two things, didn't he? Look at the passage. He really asked for two things, didn't he? He first asked to be healed from this sickness of leprosy. But also, I see that he asked to be made clean... Before God, because he was unclean. Again, a picture of having our sins forgiven, but then to be righteous before God. Let's read Jesus' answer to this leper's question in verse 13. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. This was Jesus's response to this repulsive, sick, dying man, to touch him, to actually, he was moved with compassion, the other gospel writers say. So Jesus affirms that he is willing to heal, to restore all that will call upon him in faith. This man was healed of a sickness that had brought him unimaginable pain, both physically, and spiritually, emotionally, but instantly after asking Jesus, he was healed. Jesus reached down and touched this unclean man, and the sickness disappeared from this man. It's a beautiful picture. There's more, though, we know, right? He asked, this man also said he wanted to be clean before God. Second part, isn't it? Look at verse 14. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, Go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Jesus, after performing this miracle, explains to the man what he was to do next. By Jewish law, to be clean. Not to be unclean. So at this point, right, this is before the cross. This is before the resurrection. The law still needed to be followed for this man to go to the temple. For him to be, and go through the whole process. You can read about it in Leviticus 14. It's a very intense process. But he had to go through this whole process to be clean. So this is, Jesus is explaining to him what he needed to do. Because he was healed of the sickness. But he needed to go to the priest and take care of this. So Jesus, again, he gave him this instruction. He told them also, what did he tell him? He said, don't share what has happened here and how he is, Jesus had healed him. I also found this description. If you look at verse 14, at the end of it especially, it says, this will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. I see this as a picture of water baptism. You know, as we talk about first, there's a miracle of Jesus healing him. But then we see this picture, I see, a public testimony of what Jesus had done miraculously already. We see these results, right? Jesus had healed him. It's amazing. Let's look at 15 and 16. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus knew that as the word would get out what had taken place, that many, mainly religious leaders, would seek him out. And it caused a lot of undue attention, kind of from the wrong people at the time, as Jesus had a lot of work to do. And he had just healed this man's leprosy. And he said, don't tell anyone. Just go to the temple. Follow the ceremony cleansings be cleansed and go on but instead the word got out and it it was going to bring a lot of undue attention to jesus i'd like us to read mark's account on this mark chapter one we're going to reference this a few times look at uh verse 45 mark chapter one verse 45 it says but the man went and spread the word proclaiming to everyone what had happened as a result Large crowds soon surrounded Jesus and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out of the stay out in secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. So this man was very excited. He went, he didn't listen to Jesus about being quiet, and too much attention was gonna probably cause some Jesus some problems, drawing attention again from these probably a lot religious authorities. Turn back to Luke though, because I like before we move on to the next passages, I like verse 16. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Jesus, after this all happened, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. We talked about it last week, and I've talked about it the last few few weeks, really. Jesus continues to show us the importance of spending time with God. I'd like to share a commentary out of my Chuck Smith Bible, for those that know Calvary Chapel. And this is what Chuck Smith wrote. The greater the pressure, the more Jesus saw the necessity of getting alone in prayer. Verse 16. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. If Jesus, being who he was, saw the necessity of prayer, who in the world do we think we are as we try to survive the pressures of the world without prayer? As I say that, that goes, it continues. Jesus shows us that prayer needs to be a part of our very being. We need to depend on the strength that comes from prayer. As I shared earlier about being in God's word each and every day, I think it's so important. It's a great reminder for all of us, again, as we begin a new year. So these passages now, we're going to transition into another story. So let's start off in this different story. Verse 17, back in Luke chapter 5. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from all Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. As this additional story of another man that's going to be healed begins, I love how it starts because it starts with... Jesus was sharing the truth. Jesus was teaching. He was preaching. Each time we begin many of these stories, Jesus was out there. He was teaching. I love that because he's out there. He's sharing the hope to the lost, giving them hope. And then, as this is taking place, we often see and read of a miraculous healing that takes place. It's a pattern. I continue to see that through the Gospels. And as we begin here in this story, I also want to reference another, turn to Mark chapter 2. We're going to read first two verses there. Mark chapter 2, 1 and 2. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Verse 2. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room, even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them. Again, just another part of that story. So you can start to imagine how this story is unfolding. What took place? We know it took place in a house. We read that. We believe it was Capernaum. I believe, and many other commentaries believe this was actually Peter's house. I really do believe it was. It doesn't state it, but the verse says Jesus arrived to a home where he was staying. I think it was Peter's house. I really do believe it. Um, Again, we don't know for sure. But I'm going to assume that as I continue teaching. So just know that. So in this home, Jesus was teaching. We know there are so many people that at every door in every window, there's people huddled around it with their heads sticking in. I mean, you imagine this room. This room, I'm sure, was much bigger than his house. But you imagine the doors and the windows. They'd all be open. This place would be packed, every head sticking in, everyone trying to listen. I mean, you'd be shoulder to shoulder sitting on the floor. It would have been a lot of people in this little room. Turn back to Luke. We'll be back in Luke chapter 5. What we also see is there are some religious leaders that are listening in. And I don't think that it was a coincidence that these religious leaders were listening to what Jesus was teaching. So as they're all there, just imagine yourself there. Because it says that Jesus taught the Word. I think that's so important because I think so many... So often, so many other things are taught in churches. And Jesus taught the word. It's interesting also, Luke, he says this in the end here, uh, the end of verse 17. He says, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. It's an interesting kind of note there. So we're all in the room. You're all going to imagine yourself in the room. What do you notice as you're sitting in the room, as everyone there is very intently listening to Jesus teach. Just imagine, what do you see? What do you hear? What's it like? As you think about that, we're going to continue, Luke, chapter 5. We're going to look at 18 through 20. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and took off some tiles, Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd, right in the front of Jesus. Verse 20 Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. This story is starting to unfold or take place. We read that these four men, it's four men, they brought this paralyzed man to Jesus. Now, we're unsure of this relationship. Like, I don't know who this paralyzed man or if these four men were brothers, if they had a relationship to this man. We don't know if they were just friends or if this guy was, like, just a beggar in the street. We don't know the exact situation of what was there. What we know is there's four men and there's a paralyzed man. And they somehow, these four men, somehow have heard of Jesus. And they somehow have believed in Jesus, they had faith that Jesus could heal this man from being paralyzed. They believed this. I imagine this taking place. Seeing these men first having a conversation amongst themselves. I mean, this is how it took place, right? These four men they had this conversation. They're like, Jesus is here. Let's go grab the paralyzed man. Let's take him before Jesus. And then they're They're carrying this man. You know, in Asia, we're familiar with sleeping mats. It's kind of easy to imagine. You know, the bamboo mats that are interwoven. And so you can imagine the man laying on the mat. These four men each grabbing a corner of the mat, grabbing it and picking it up. And they're carrying this man through the streets, through the village, to what I assume is Peter's house to meet with Jesus. I just imagine this. I can see this taking place in my mind. These people running through the street, so excited, so excited. To bring this paralyzed man believing he was going to be healed that day. You imagine the chatter between the four. Even the paralyzed man. I Can you imagine how excited he would be? Moving as fast as they can. Running. I imagine them even running with that mat and that guy laying there on that mat. The conversation. The excitement that would be taking place. It should be a picture for us, isn't it? A picture for each one of us that as we go out into this city and this country and we go out and we see a person that's lost, a person that's hopeless and we invite them or do we bring them to church? Do we bring them with that same excitement knowing that, you know, it doesn't have to be church but bring them to a place where maybe they'll be able to meet with Jesus, to come in front of Jesus? Praying that maybe they will come to faith in Jesus because we know, everyone here that is born we know that Jesus can heal them. First from their sins and many other things. Do we have the same excitement that these four men would have had as they carried this paralyzed man to Jesus? To go out, to grab him, to carry him, just believing. But what happened? As these men went out, grabbed the man, were carrying... This, this man to Jesus, as we go out and we invite people to Jesus, as we go out and we share the gospel, what so often happens? What happened in the story? These men were bringing him here, and as they arrived, they faced a problem. They couldn't get in. They couldn't figure out how to get this man before Jesus. As we, each of us, go out and we evangelize and we try to introduce people to Jesus to share the gospel, we will face many trials We'll face many disappointments. People don't show up. I mean, we just recently we invited a, uh, just two girls. We were down at the moat evangelizing, we're like, and they said, "Oh, we're gonna come to church," and we were all excited, and uh, you know, and then they they didn't come. We were really disappointed. But you know why they didn't come? Because they went to that gate guard down there, and that guy wouldn't let them in. That's a true story. And our phones were on silent because we were in church. So that was a disappointment. You will face many obstacles as you go evangelize and try to introduce people to Jesus, just as these men face. So what do we do? We just give up? These men got creative, didn't they? They had to work hard, and I even believe, this is me, this is my opinion, I believe there's probably a cost to what they had to do to place this man before Jesus. These men, they believed they believed that Jesus could heal him. And they were going to do whatever it took to put this man before Jesus. So I mentioned before that I, I believe this house was Peter's. And I believe this was a smaller community. I'm sure these four men knew whose house they were going to. It's very likely. I don't think it was some much. They, they knew it was a community. I'm sure they knew whose house it was. Now, we all know Peter, right? He's kind of the one that's really outspoken. We know he's... Uh, can be very physical at times through the scriptures. Um, I think Peter was very strong. I think he was very uh, boisterous. I'm sure that uh, these people, I would assume they knew Peter. And they knew this was his house. So these four men, they went on this roof, which I believe they knew whose roof it was. And they made a hole through this man's roof. Whatever the roof was, there's all sorts of debate on, you know, this tiles or wood or straw or whatever it was. They made a hole big enough to lower this man on this mat through. And, you know, honestly, it wouldn't have had to been that big a hole, really, because if you kind of bundled them, you know, in. So they knew, I believe these men knew, that they were destroying a roof. And I think they even knew it was Peter's roof. And they knew that there would probably even be consequences to putting this hole in this roof, whether they knew it was Peter or not. There's consequences, right? You don't just dig a hole in someone's roof, and not expect someone not to say something. I don't think They cared. I don't think they were concerned with what would happen after they put a hole in the roof. They were only concerned that they knew they would do whatever it took to put this man before Jesus because they believed and knew that Jesus could heal him. Imagine this. You're sitting in the house. We're all back in the house. We're listening to Jesus teach. It'd be amazing. The roof is torn open. There's... Bits of roof falling down. You can imagine the dust and the dirt coming down. You're like looking. It's distracting. Jesus is teaching. You're like, what is going on up there? All of a sudden, this man is lowered down on a mat right before Jesus. Now, this paralyzed man is there right in front of Jesus. And Above, you see the hole? There's four heads sticking up down looking, right? I know they're looking down. You know, you imagine. These guys are all four looking down. They're looking down in faith, and they're waiting. What's Jesus going to do? Jesus then he says seeing their faith Jesus said to the young man young man your sins are forgiven This I'm going to tell you honestly this is not why the four men came This is not why the four men tore this hole in this roof This is not why the four men carried this man to this place They're sitting there wondering I'm sure So let's see in verse 21 what's going to take place But the Pharisees and the teacher of the religious law said to themselves who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. So as all of this is taking place, these religious leaders were there. And these leaders, they heard what Jesus had just said. Jesus just said, your sins are forgiven. And these leaders knew the implications of what Jesus had said. Your sins are forgiven. These, these, leader, these religious leaders, they didn't consider the fact that Jesus was God. It never even crossed their mind, I don't think. They never even considered that he is the one, he is who he says he is. They denied this truth of Jesus in their hearts. And they looked by saying this in their mind to basically have him killed for saying this. So let's see what's going to happen in verse 22 through 24. Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Jesus knew these men's thoughts. Then he rebukes them, I believe. It's a rebuke. I want to turn to Matthew. Look at his account of this. Matthew chapter 9. Verse 4, Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? I believe here Jesus clearly states that denying that he was God, the one who can forgive sin, made their thoughts evil. Jesus asks the question then. He says, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? You now, when you think about this question, I've asked this question a lot. I've taught this message a lot. Some people have answered it differently. But what would your reaction be if you were there, watching this take place? How would you answer it? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? The paralytic and these four men had came. They came in faith. They believed that Jesus could heal this man. Then there was these religious leaders that were there, and they were denying who Jesus was, that he was God? I, rem- I imagine still myself in this room, and I remember very tense right now in this room as Jesus had said this. I imagine it was kind of very still. You know, everybody's like looking, looking at the religious leaders, looking at Jesus, looking at the paralyzed man, thinking of the question that Jesus had just presented to them all, really. Then Jesus turns his attention from these religious leaders And he looks down at the paralyzed man who is still there laying in front of him. And he says, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. Jesus will now give physical proof that he is the one who can forgive sin. Let's look at verses 25 through 26. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. So we see this man's response. It was praise. It was glorifying to God. Then the people, we see their response. They also praised God. So Jesus has healed this paralytic man, both physically and spiritually. This was done I believe all that, so God could receive glory, so people would come to know who Jesus was, that he indeed was the one who had the power to forgive sin. Last week, the title of the message was We Must Preach. This week, we see through this story that Jesus very clearly proves that he is God. And through faith in him, we see that we can be healed just as this man was healed, both spiritually and physically but as we close out today i want us to really kind of remember these four men they knew that healing was possible for this man through jesus so they went out they got the sick man and they carried him they carried him to meet jesus it's a picture for all of us as they did this in faith as they carried him together this important together they faced challenges they faced disappointment, but they persevered, didn't they? And Jesus honored them, their faith, and, listen to this, and the paralyzed man's faith, and a miraculous healing took place. Then others witnessed what had taken place, and God got the glory, and then they all praised God. So the main point for me, there's lots of different applications you could take out of this, is don't ever give up on bringing the lost to Jesus. You will face many challenges. You'll face many hardships. You'll face physical, spiritual, emotional. It's hard. That's why I mentioned earlier, we've got to be equipped to go out there and do the work. And it begins all with being in God's word each and every day and spending time with the Lord. That's where it begins. It doesn't end there. <laughs> it definitely doesn't end there. But that's where it begins. And as we start this new year, and we're going to go out, and we're not going to give up on the lost. We're going to continue to go out and share the gospel. We're going to go out and continue to invite them to church. You know, I invited a person to church this week, and I think she'll come probably next week, we hope. And uh, it was interesting, as I invited her, and, you know, she'll, she'll be coming for all the wrong reasons, like any of us did when we first came to church, probably. And I invited her, and uh, she's like, what do I wear? I said, you need to wear clothes. And then uh, she was worried about that, you know, dress right. And I said, whatever you got, just come on over. And then I, she said, well, then she started sharing, and she's like, well, you know, my family, I'm, I'm Thai, so... I, my family's Buddhist, but I'm not really kind of Buddhist. I just, you know, I was raised in Thailand, so that's kind of what I am. And she says, but I do remember I went to a VBS when I was a kid once. So 40 years ago, I don't know how long it was, the seed was planted. And maybe she'll come to church next week, so praise she'll come. But it's interesting how we're all out there sharing the gospel. And sometimes it's a VBS when a kid's a child, and maybe it's 20, 30 years later. But her impression of Christians was good. And she was curious. And she's like, what is is a Christian? She had no, she still doesn't know. We're working on it. But don't give up on the lost. Keep ministering to them. Because we're going to face many different challenges, many hardships. It's going to be very, very difficult at times. And you know what? Jesus tells us at times, look at verse 16. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. There's also times for that. Sometimes we need to go spend some time in the Word, spend some time with Jesus, and just get re- reequipped by the holy spirit and go back out there and continue to serve. So I wanted to share with that. I'm kind of this month for me, I've kind of slowed tried. <laughs> I'm not very good at it. In fact, I'm really bad at it. Really bad at slowing down. But I'm really trying just to slow down a bit, just seek the lord in prayer, just to be in the word and just see lord, you know, what do you have for this year? What what ministries do you want us to really be focusing? Cause I want the ministries that I personally want to be involved in. I really just want to pour myself into um, I don't want to be doing a thousand things. I want to do like maybe four or five and do them well. You know, different people have different things. That's fine. But, I, you know, I want to seek the Lord. And like, Lord, where do you want to use us? Where do you want this church to go? You know, where, where is the schools or the outreaches? You know, where will you have us? Because um, I want to do it well. And I want to have follow-up. And I want to have time to spend with God's people. So please uh, keep that in prayer. And uh, please pray with me. And we'll continue our worship. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word today, Lord. As we see that... You are a God who heals. We see here, you are willing. These men, they came in faith. One was even carried there in faith, but he also came to faith. But Lord, you are willing and you're compassionate, Lord, we see. that You want to heal us, Lord. As we see these physical healings, Lord, we celebrate that. But we especially want to give you thanks, Lord, for the healing that you've given us, Lord, with our Father in heaven, Lord, that you've restored that relationship with us and God, Lord. To your taking our place, Lord, on the cross, Lord. We just thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for that restoration, that healing you've given us each spiritually. Lord, I pray that each one of us, Lord, are beginning a new year. And, Lord, I pray if there's anything in anyone's life that is in the way of what you've called them to do, Lord, Lord, they would just come before you, Lord, because I know you're willing, Lord, and you just heal them of whatever that is, Lord. Myself, Lord, I pray, Lord, if there's anything, Lord, in my life, my relationships, my relationship with you, my family, my friends, Lord, if it's a sin, Lord, I just pray for healing on that, Lord. I just want to lay that down before you, Lord, because I know you are the great healer. Lord, just please just show us each, Lord, that we could have faith like these four men did to go out to go out and grab someone, to carry them so they could be placed before you, so they could be touched by your healing, Lord, and they could come to know you as their Savior, Lord. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord, as each of us do that, Lord, I know so many of us are out there doing that, Lord. I pray for perseverance for the church. I pray for steadfastness, Lord. I pray for strength and wisdom, Lord. And I pray for our health in all the different ways that we spoke about, Lord. First, our spiritual health, our physical health, Lord, that we may be made strong for you, Lord, as we go out, Lord, go out there to share the gospel. So, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity just to study your word. Pray for a blessing on everyone here, Lord, as we continue to start this new year, Lord. It would be out there, Lord. Just be out there, Lord, and just carrying people to you. In Jesus' name, amen.